Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Worship whores. Those worship whores. The worship whores. <laughs> that would be... Uh, that would be a great, like the... Uh, like a lesser deity of like um who was like uh like a madam mm-hmm. oh there has to be a goddess of whoring and right. debauchery and then she has her worship whores she has the worship whores exactly it's perfect actually uh my friend misspoke and couldn't remember the name of the god their cleric um worships right it's it's ogma and it goes i think it's omar or something so omar has become an in-world canon god mm-hmm. yesterday we decided omar's the god of fucking around and finding out nice I like that's that. who he is so i've created <laughs> we have a homebrew god called omar <laughs> and i, I like love it. him oh there's so much to talk about i'd say is... uh probably after uh or before relationship i think relationships is a good second second half um possibly yeah relationships or after that where it says uh worship or after the worship horse the speaking of them after that part like the history bit okay because it's pretty heavy there's a lot there's a lot of history imagine yeah. that a lot of history a lot of history bef- behind a god imagine dragon's lance <laughs> imagine dragon's lance <laughs> the mashup no one asked for i didn't ask for it nobody wants it but you know what tfb we're going to give it to you we're gonna give it to you <laughs> um have you gotten have you got a chance to look at the um the monsters of crin monsters oh Convenium? my god i have not gotten to yet all i have the last two days have been I've been at a, like, since my feet hit the floor, I've been at a run pretty much all day. Yesterday was crazy. We didn't get, we didn't even eat dinner until nine o'clock last night. I didn't stop and take a break. Yeah. I didn't stop, take a break, nothing. And today has also been chaotic in that I've had to make so many trips to the school to pick up children. (laughs) It's like, I have gotten zero time to just sit still for a minute. So after this, I'm going to stop existing for a little bit to the outside world. It's uh it's pretty awesome. It is, yeah. It's totally uh, worth it. There are two different um gnomes in it. <laughs> uh they're from Nevermind, which is um uh, like this um hollow dormant volcano. And uh within it, like there's a bunch of rock gnomes that live and stuff. And one of them is the gnome inventor, and the other is the gnome mastermind, and the artwork for both is so freaking adorable i want to hug them so badly okay and feed them treats feed them were those originals i know i downloaded it earlier but i don't know where it ended up in my phone but i know where i downloaded it from and it was a tweet it was a tweet that it was you the lore cast <laughs> put out uh they it also was. have uh speaking of the uh, quickly of the patron plus on draconians there is another type of draconian included in the monstrous compendium for dragon lance 
the Trag uh, Draconian, which is described as sort of like their um, their their rough draft when it came to creating Draconians. Oh, interesting. And so as a result, it's not not as finely tuned as one would hope. But it looks awesome. Oh my god, look at the little guys. Yeah, they're the gnomes are adorable. Ugh, man, I got a thing for gnomes. I I identify with gnomes. And then of course, of course, Verminard's on it. Uh someone on Twitter responded, like, man, look at those look at those arms. He's beefy. I was like, I can only imagine a kinder like walking up to him, eyeing him from like head to toe, and then <laughs> smugly saying, Do you even lift, bro? <laughs> yes. And that's perfect because it's in keeping with what a kinder would do. It is. I see that is another thing. Like I kind of want to play a kinder because I love talking shit. It is one of my love languages. <laughs> and it would just be great. They just they would make such good bards. Oh yeah, absolutely. They would. It just oh, they're so great. But we're not talking about those. I'm excited about what we're talking about, though. We're going to talk about Char. Let's 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 do that. Let's do let's exactly do what we thing. came here to do. Yeah. Do the thing. Do the thing. Perfect. Nailed it. <coughs> Are you ready for this? Oh, I am ready. I am ready. Robots Radio presents. You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we have we are taking a break from Dragonlance. We have been knee deep in Kender poop and uh and Draconian stink. <laughs> knee deep in Draconians. Or like knee uh, deep in the dead, that episode, that level from Doom 93. How's that yes, for a that that's a pull. That is a pull right there. <laughs> and we're going Beautiful. to uh we're gonna jump back to Forgotten Realms. Uh yeah. not for too long though, because we've got we got some humdingers uh planned for that's the a... end of the year. Yeah, this is just uh it it I felt like it needed to be covered because she's come up so much. I felt like a little backstory for no. uh, the mistress of the night exactly was was uh definitely needed so that's exactly and goodness what, we're what a do. story yeah, that's exactly what we're gonna do <laughs> yes. we're going to cover the one and the only char this week mm-hmm. and figure out exactly you know what her connection is to the spell plague what her connection is to the world at large and, right how you know, she fits into all of it because her name just comes up over and over and over comes and up over a lot. I mean, that does. That's exactly why, like you said, like why we why we did this episode is, in mm-hmm. in both of our research, for other topics, for other name- like completely unrelated ish, 
and they are seemingly, yeah, seemingly unrelated, but like Shar is somehow connected to each and every single one. She is, and this actually, I do know why now. So let's, like, yeah, let's let's figure let's, out why 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 okay. Shar got her fingers in just about every pie in Faerun. She she does. She is in everything, and with somebody who's got that big of a, uh, she's got that big of a um oh not a personality the other thing reputation that's the one mm-hmm. she has so many names mistress of the night the dark lady our lady of loss the night bringer night singer singer of eternal night dark lady dark goddess goddess of loss mistress of pain god of thieves and the great power of the that's supposed to say gray waste great power of the gray waste uh those are some again um you know i can only imagine based on those names that she is of an evil alignment. Oh, a wee bit. Wee bit. Yeah. And again, yeah. just lends credence to our theory that the bad guys always get the coolest names. They do. You don't get called singer of eternal night. I mean, that's not I mean, a bad guy. That actually sounds like something like a 50s crooner would have been called, but that's neither here oh, nor there. Like, our, is like yes. singer of the eternal night, is that Char or is that? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> it is Char in this instance. She is the goddess of darkness, um, both physical darkness, like, you know, when you can't see anything, but also mental and emotional darkness, like the kind of dark that dwells in the souls and minds of all mortals. She's the twin to the goddess of the moon, Saloon. They are, while they are twins, they are absolutely complete opposites, right? other side to one another's coins she is described as a tall beautiful humanoid with inky raven hair that swirled and swayed as though blowing in an ethereal breeze by those lucky mortals i use that term lucky very loosely um, (laughs) that have seen her in their dreams when she comes to them to speak to them she's worshipped as the goddess of night of loss secrets and of forgetfulness She's said to have the power to make people forget their pain or more so just become accustomed to it, kind of learn to live with and deal with, you know, the pain and things that happen to you in your life, which so far doesn't sound bad, but we're like, what, five facts in? I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't sound bad, but I'm sure it, there's a one, there's a, it gets worse. And it's two, always definitely the seemingly good things have some sort of like ulterior sort of dark twist. edge to it. Yeah. <laughs> she represents the vengeance that we keep hidden away from the light. All those things that we keep like tucked away, secreted away, um, nurturing those dark, hateful things quietly in the darkest places and feeding them with pain that's been hidden, but not forgotten bitterness and grudges basically her worshipers are those that must venture into dark places they pray to her for protection while they're there um some examples of that would be miners that have to crawl into the deepest bowels of the earth and well earth like the physical thing not the planet because i know we're not here right Um, (laughs) we're not here here others that call on her are those that have fallen into despair or melancholy Um, People that wish to forget something or have lost something of themselves and are trying to trying to get it back. 
Priests of Shar are typically those that have dealt with or have a lot of darkness inside them. They are either carriers of deep emotional darkness or have their own, you know, skeletons in the closet, dark secrets. Uh, people whose minds are already equipped to deal with the darkness inside of themselves and in others, which this is the point where I messaged you and I was like, well, I find myself identifying with the priests of Shar, and I'm a little bit concerned. Not the best look. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's so not. I... I'm just saying I identify with I've been equipped to deal with some dark bullshit. I mean, it's uh, I mean, in this day and age, it, it's hard Ooh. not to. Who, um, who among us has not stared into the void and had the void stare back? Exactly. So, so many, many terrible things have been done in the name of Shar by her more fanatical followers. They are the kind that go out there and cause all kinds of chaos on her behalf. Um, a notable group of these guys were the mm, Sahakar of Netheril. Um, it is, this was an entire society that was completely and totally dedicated to Shar, which it seems like her followers are a little bit more of the unstable, unsavory sort. I mean, because... it's, 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 I'm trying to defend them, but you know, it's, it's I get a, it's literally but also, an come on, evil guys. God, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it gets it gets worse um, because the fanaticism of her followers, the tragedies they have wrought and the losses they've caused, worship of her has been outlawed in many places. Um, her priests have been driven into secrecy because of this. So it is like banned, like, no, we're not doing that. So these, you know, priests that love and worship her that has only intensified their beliefs that reinforced that they were on the right path and they were right because they were being attacked from the outside that whole song and dance um her faithful folks became a focal point for rebellion and uh for revenge against anyone that happens to be a ruling power uh one of the let's see shadowheart was a priest of hers, a half-elf cleric of Shar that became involved with a group called the Absolute late in the 15th century DR. Um, a prayer that I had found from him to her was, Blessed Night Singer, witness our adoration. See how we serve you. Only you. We have emptied our hearts of falsehoods. We have vanquished your foes. In darkness, we see your truth. Embrace us, your loyal warriors. Cloak us in your shadow. Guide us to your victory. Shar's will be done, as sure as the night will fall. Just a little, just a little, little prayer. taste there. Just a, little, just a little prayer. A little complete and total. Complete know, devotion. Devotion, yeah, yeah. So... She was brought into existence, the Mistress of Pain was, um, by the creation of realm space. She is the living embodiment of the void. So, yes, that is the void. We've stared into it. It was her. Um, oh, that's fun. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, she is the actual physical form of nothing, complete and total nothing. So she is all that isn't. If that makes sense. It does not. Not <laughs> even a little bit. 
not even a little bit, all the things that aren't, that are nothing, that is what she is. <laughs> she is the negative space. <laughs> she longed to return to the peace of that non-existence. Um, just pining for the emptiness in the time before time had started and the nothing she wanted that nothing back that had you know ceased to exist because everything began to be so nothing stopped being nothing because everything became everything and she missed it the nightbringer is i don't have any other way to explain it other than she is so deeply evil she is pettiness she is envy she's hatred and bitterness um i don't have the capacity <laughs> to fully describe how truly dark this woman this goddess is um, she's constantly seeking to destroy all order even her worshipers are nothing to her they are a means to an end all pawns in her scheme and all pawns and her plans to destroy everything that ever was and anything that ever could be or would be. She literally wanted all of creation and existence to stop existing. So she wants to go back She's... to that nothingness. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the perception of her from her followers was a little bit different than that because, you know, perspective is kind of a funny little thing. She was supposedly a healer. She would heal them. She would soothe those that were grief-stricken by letting them forget about it. Just forget that you're hurting. Forget that it's bothered you. Oh, hey, you know, you're just, you got a problem? <laughs> got a problem? You're grieving? You're sad? It's fine. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it. Problem solved, right? Right. I mean, seemingly, yeah, for sure. Yeah. In truth, <laughs> she was enjoying their pain she was a true sadist enjoying inflicting the pain of loss on her followers you know but what about that help that healing and relief there's so many quotations in here that she provided um it it isn't it was never really relief it was never any of the good happy things that you're right. supposed to cope and you know move forward no no um, like you said help and help healing <laughs> exactly um it wasn't relief. It's just numbness. So she helped them to accept that pain and hurt was normal. And any expectation that there's another option other than hurting and being in those dark places, she just convinced them that there's there's no other option. This is just how things are. Shouldn't believe in in healing grief um what she believed in was harnessing that grief nurturing the pain and the hurt that come along with it harnessing spite and bitterness and fanning the flames of you know indignity and for her even a minor transgression was worthy of the fullest amount of vengeance that you could muster so so absolutely zero chill in char there's no chill whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> she it's like, originally it's like, hey, who ate uh i left a banana yogurt in the fridge yesterday did mm -hmm, anyone mm -hmm. did anyone happen to oh yeah that was that was me i'm sorry sorry i thought hey. it was vanilla i must have grabbed the wrong one i'll buy you another one no big deal right okay jeff you've made the list <laughs> jeff yogurt eater jeff the yogurt eater in cubicle four. Oh god she's got his cubicle so 
originally Shar ruled in the realm of shadow. Shar ruled. Shar ruled, bro, in the realm of shadows in this tower. I, I, called, I had uh, to. I'm sorry. <laughs> tower of loss. Uh, it's like that old. Um, it's and I'm derailing the show just a little bit. <laughs> so when Toby okay McGuire hosted SNL and he had oh just starred in Cider House Rules. And in the audience, Will Ferrell played like a frat boy. And he's like, yeah, Cider House rules. I yeah. love it so much. <laughs> uh, which oh is really funny considering like if you've read the read the book by John Irving or saw the movie, it's very not like not a happy go lucky. That's not the. Nope. Yeah. Not oh. no. Oh, nope. boy. Oh, but my. I digress. Shar ruled. <laughs> Sometimes. Shar ruled uh, the realm of shadow. Uh, her tower there is called the Tower of Loss. Uh, it had of no. <laughs> I mean, duh. Yeah, there were that's on brand. It is. There were oh the whole thing. She I can say that much to her. She's loyal to her brand, very loyal. Uh, <laughs> this tower had no obvious entrances, but her devout worshippers and those that were you know there to petition her were able to come and go as she pleased. But on occasion, she did enjoy trapping people there. Usually the people that were more attached to their freedom, um, she would hold them there, you know, savoring their loss and despair and taking joy from their sorrow because she's such a nice, nice being, right? She's sweet. Creation, she's, she sounds like a total sweetheart, to be honest. She's a sweetheart. She's and a doll. I will not stand for all this char slander. Slander. So she, at the creation of the Shadowfell, um, she abandoned the Tower of Loss and created a new realm in the Astral Sea, larger than any of the other realms there, surprising nobody. Um, her new home were, was called the Towers of Night. Um, it was built atop the tallest mountain, and from here she had easy access to and from the Shadowfell. So her, she's she's a great great she's great she's awesome um so clearly her relationships would all be you know also great awesome wow um by creating the shadow weave the dark lady made an eternal enemy of the goddess of magic whom we know to be mistra this uh resulted in the brewing of a war between the two permanent rivals by nature, Shar had an aversion to the powers of light and things that are, you know, good and wholesome. So she was also always opposed to her twin sister, Saloon. The although she did have a frequent ally of hers, Talona, who is the goddess of poison and disease, um, but she was just not a very pleasant person. Apparently, a hag in Baldur's Gate uh, was once heard to remark, "Shar won't bother us here." She's far too busy writing poetry and crying about how much people prefer her sister. So even I mean, the commoners know. Hey, that hag emptied the clip. And, you know, <laughs> she, if Char took that care. slug, well, then maybe it was on target. You know what I'm saying? It was on target. I mean, on one hand, I mean, we were all teenagers at one point, And we all wrote bad poetry. We all listened <laughs> oh, to the Smiths. Gosh. We all listened to... You no, know, Susie and the Banshees. Did we? Mostly. Did we if you okay. didn't, you did an adolescence wrong. Let me tell you. No, mine was Dashboard Confessional. Okay, well, yeah, like I, I and yeah. I wrote shitty poetry. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe I am dating myself. Uh, but yeah, there's a like I, I once um, 
I was like, man, like it, like it sucks that this generation gets Olivia Rodrigo. And I'm like, oh wait, we got, we had dashboard. We're fine. We, we yeah, had, we had. we had the emotional heartbreak. We super We're did. Fine in there that was department. a lot of them. There um, was a lot of them. So could we, could we say that Char is the original emo? Oh my gosh. Uh, Maybe. Hot take. Maybe we'll revisit it when we get to the end of the show and you can give me your opinion because I know the answer. I'm leaning that way. I'm leaning toward the original emo, but we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll keep my full judgment I'll keep that till the end. I even wrote a note so I wouldn't forget to ask, is Char heck an emo? That's what it says. Because, you know, I'm an adult. So, right. although she, <laughs> she didn't have a lot of friends, obviously, she did have a successful relationship. It seems like I... everything is sort of like, has like a caveat. Like, uh, like it you does. Know, she provides healing. She had a successful relationship. Relationship. Uh, that's just kind of, I mean, based on whatever messed up sort of standards we want to use here. Sure. Um, but it was with a less than good uh, drow patron of shadow magic, which makes sense considering she created the shadow weave. Right. Um, Veron and her, that's this patron's name. This drow fella this drow fella um and her work together on many projects um that concerned shadow magic whenever veron died many of his followers just went ahead and naturally just converted over to following char because it was a pretty natural voice or natural choice not voice mixing words up speaking of these worshipers um so gonna cover this and then we can take a little break and then we will jump into the history because the history needs the entire second half of the show <laughs> let's let's have it then. it's heavy so her worshipers um her holy symbol is a purple circle um around so it's purple circle around the outer edge the inner part of it is a black circle taking up most of the space so kind of picture a purple eye with a very very dilated pupil and you've got it super simple um her clergy are a secretive group tending to be very devious using disruptive tactics with their rivals rather than actually facing them or having any kind of a direct confrontation so some shady shit going on here in other words um and since you know, many of the cities had outlawed worship of her. They had hidden temples that were run illegally um, and hidden away in some very, you know, in darker places, which I'm sure she's totally cool with because that's kind of her thing. Um, and she also kept a kept an order of sorcerer monks that had the ability to tap into the shadow weave to pull from her magic. She just had kind of a little sneaky guys all over the place worshiping her, but not out in the outright. I mean, it, I, I feel like you said, like, you know, worship of her was banned in, in various mm-hmm. places. So, I mean, it sounds like something you'd, you'd have to keep on the down low for sure. It also sounded justified to me, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, you'll understand in about 30 minutes. Well, like uh, Mary said, we are going to jump to the middle of the show so we can do all the midly middle of the show things. And then we'll be back to talk her, uh, the history of Char. Mm-hmm.
Welcome to the middle of the show. We do all the midly things that uh, we can't do at the beginning of the show or the end of the show because, because they wouldn't. They're just so damn in, midly. They they, they need to be midly. in the middle yeah. of the show. Uh, the, the first of, of which is thanking our patrons. Yes, we are. Thank you, like every single one of you. First of all, you guys are amazing, and you make all of this possible. And I want to do a little shout out to our newest patron, Holly Mack. Yes, thank you so much for signing up uh, as a scholar patron. Holly Mac gets access to early ad-free episodes, a yes. sticker pack, and of course, all of the awesome bonus content that we produce, the bonus episodes, the patron plus installments, all that fun stuff. So much good stuff. And if you are interested in signing up for the Patreon, getting all of that stuff, plus more, you know, we get uh, tiers that include free merchandise. We mm -hmm, have tiers mm -hmm. that include uh, workshops with myself and Mary or mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. inviting us to one of your game sessions. We'll play a, we'll play a nice little one-shot character for you. Uh, <laughs> check out patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. Mm -hmm. You know, all of the funds that are that come through the Patreon go to make the show bigger and better. We've yep. got big, big plans for 2023, for year four of the D&D Lorecast. And a, so much of it is made possible through the support of patrons. True. And of course, didn't do it without you. Absolutely, and of course, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can definitely do so. Uh, five star reviews on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media. We're pretty much D, the letters D and D, Lorecast, pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. We're Instagram, the TikTok, the Twitter. That's still around. That's still a thing for now. Yes. You can email us at D and D Lorecast mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. gmail.com. And then, of course, there is the Robots Radio Network Discord, of which we are a proud member. And we've got our own text channel there. And it's it's always bumping. It's always a good rollicking time. It's I equate it to like like a tavern, like a D&D &D tavern. It is. It's our tavern, dear traveler. Come check in and see us. You can come in and ask questions. You can come in and, and talk about your game. Uh, you, mm -hmm. It's like I said, like you come in and, and just hang out and yes, talk to D&D. Tell me about your game. I want to know about your characters. I want to know what things you guys find fascinating because all of that's important. Say oh, it. yeah. Like I, I, I'm a huge, oh, uh, I'm a huge fan of the, of the discord. Um, I'm yeah. constantly on it. Yep. And moving on to the second part of the middle of the show. Uh, what kind of news do we've got? Do we have going on in D and D? Well, of course, you know, Dragonlance is, as is officially out. Dragonlance has been released. It's wow. out in the open. It's out in the wild. It's uh, beautiful. It's glorious. And Go see to, it. To celebrate that, D&D Beyond has released the second volume of a monstrous compendium. The first was for Spelljammer, and that actually came out months before Spelljammer was released. And it was kind <laughs> of a, uh, I don't know, I guess a, a bit of a sneak peek of what to expect. As an whereas, appetizer. Right. Whereas That's monst an appetizer. Monstrous... Uh, <laughs> Whereas Monstrous Compendium Volume Two, Dragonlance Creatures comes out the day of the of the you know Shadow of the Dragon Queen release and oh adds gosh. eleven new creatures to use in your campaign, including uh, freaking uh, Verminard, the Dragon High Lord, um, mm -hmm, including mm -hmm. uh, the Trag Draconian, which is a sort of Roto Draconian before they kind of like figured out the formula to how to make them. Yep. 
And it's as a result, it's completely vicious and cruel. And I mean, whereas like we in the Patreon Plus installment on Draconians, we talked about how they're they're not like just dumb, mindless monsters. They are intelligent. Yeah, they're they, not they mindless can, murder machines. They can speak. They can take orders. Mm-hmm. They can give orders. These mm-hmm. things are exactly that. These things are the mindless killing machines. These things are the absolute nightmare fuel. Like so much so that, you know, they they do exist, but uh, they, you know, are so hard to control you know, few mm-hmm. commanders, it says few commanders have successfully used a track draconian's reckless violence to their advantage in battle. For most, a track draconian is as much a danger to its allies as it is to its enemies. So it's one of those definite wild cards on the battlefield. I love it. And then we've got a couple of different Nevermind moans, uh, gnomes. Uh, Mount Nevermind is this uh, dormant volcano on Kryn, and it's uh, inhabited by rock gnomes. And we've got the Nevermind Gnome Makes Inventor. So happy. And the Nevermind Gnome Mastermind. And they're, yeah, the artwork for them is just absolutely. They're it's so stinking cute. <laughs> it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. One's got like a little like Dr. Octopus arms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the they're other so one. Precious. The other one looks like just like this little cutie pie, like, you know, uh, Gnome Inventor. They're very, very adorable. I that was like the first thing he's like have you seen it you gotta go look at these gnomes they're so cute yeah all right oh my and, god they're so cute <laughs> and yeah like i said it's <laughs> it's absolutely free on dnd beyond mm-hmm. so go check yep. it out additionally looking to next year a second trailer for dungeons and dragons honor among thieves has been released and of course links to these two will be included in the show notes so you can check them out yes, for yourself uh I, I i am absolutely i am happier than a pig in his own filth uh, I'm more excited than that than for this movie. It's I can't wait. I'm pretty hyped. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, as far as news goes, that's about it. If you haven't yet, go vote for your favorite Lego D&D collaboration. Um, yes. And hopefully if it ends in a five-way tie, they'll just release all of them and we can have them all. Uh, yes. I, showed a, I showed a co-worker them, uh, who, a co-worker who's like super into Lego and uh mm. he was like pretty impressed he said the the dragon keep one the one mm-hmm. with the dragon wrapped around with the, the tower. green dragon yeah yes. he's like that's he's like that's dope on its own like that wouldn't even have to be D and i would probably buy that yeah like it's it's a solid they're they're pretty great choices regardless of what we end up with i don't think that i'll be disappointed like i don't feel like that's a thing that can happen but i'm kind of hoping for the tiamat one not oh, gonna yeah. lie Either that one or the Beholder for sure. Or the, yeah, man, the Beholder's desk being a dice box got me. It's so yeah, it's, good. It's pretty awesome. And uh, oh, of course, before I fail to mention the the Dragonlance uh, Monsters Compendium that was released as the first day of the D and D Beyond Adventure Calendar, <gasps> and so every day leading up to December twenty fifth, we'll have you know some new sort of uh, perk or. Just- yeah, some something little, released little goody. To you. Yeah, like yeah. I think uh, the day, the second day was a discount off of um, the Hasbro like um, made D and D Monopoly, D and D Yahtzee, yeah. D and uh, Clue, and D and D Trivial Pursuit, yeah. right? Which the D and D Trivial Pursuit, ah, uh, yeah, like I mean the others, like you know, Monopoly's fun for sure. Yeah, Clue's great uh, for sure. You know, I've never played Yahtzee. How? I assume it's 
fun. It's. I mean, game. it's been around a while. Right, right. It must be okay. It must be. But no, man, a Trivial fun. Pursuit. There's a lot riding on that, though. If you go into it, you're not allowed to lose. I mean, as lore masters, I feel that it would be it would I'm be concerned. quite shameful. I will be so shamed. I'm a baby lore mistress. And so I think I feel like we might go into it thinking like we're not gonna we're not gonna do well. We're going to we're gonna screw this up. And oh, then yeah. we're just gonna know all the answers. Like, oh yeah, like I I do this like all the time. Like I do know this really weird obscure fact about something that happened one time on one world in an obscure right exactly strange campaign that doesn't really exist anymore in the timeline exactly that's that's what we're here for that's that is the service we provide here at the it is, it is we want you to win at dungeons and dragons trivial pursuit that's our goal that's that's all we've <laughs> my ever new wanted. life goal <laughs> we, we want our listeners to 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 live better than we lived ourselves. You know, that's the, that's the goal of every podcast host and listener dynamic, yeah. right? Right. Sure. I think. I think. <laughs> Me? And then, of course, the DMs Guild, always a bounty of awesome homebrew content. And this week is no different uh, because Dragonlance is finally out. There's been a bevy of Dragonlance content, oh. uh, including these two that I want to talk about. Uh, one is Dragonlance Trinkets and Treasures. For only $4.95, you can get a PDF that is 37 colorful trinkets and 46 <gasps> magical items for you to use as rewards for your heroic adventurers while they defeat foes during Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. Oh, well, goblin mode activated. Right, right. All the so, shinies. Give me all the shinies. Yeah, so it's a collection of trinkets, magic items inspired by several of the original Dragonlance adventures. And mm-hmm. but they're not only for Dragonlance. Many can be easily added to any loot hall or dragon horde or undead den. Like I said, that one's only five bucks. So that's kind of in keeping with what we usually recommend. You know, something that you that's relatively inexpensive, but you know, has a lot of heft to it as well. Right, right. Whereas Dragonlance Companion, uh, the PDF will run you $19.99, and they've already announced that you can already pick up a hardcover of the book it's from the folks from splinterverse uh they are responsible for uh, responsible like it's a crime uh they're the they're the fine folks behind uh vault of draconic secrets the feywild companion uh van richten's librum of lineages and (laughs) this thing is i watched they have like a a youtube video out for it where they kind of go through it and man there is so much cool things in there cool things in here uh, three uh, classic species, including three subspecies, uh, 13 subclasses, including one for each class, uh, two new backgrounds with seven feats, oh, 19 nice. new spells, 16 new magic items. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, yeah, 100 trinkets, nine new monsters. Uh, I mean, they are, I mean, this thing looks freaking amazing. And I'm so, I like, as soon as uh, I saw the tweet that a hardcover was available, I'm like, <gasps> I have to have it. It must be mine. So the hardcover yes. plus the PDF will only run you $38.99, which is still less than the price of a brand new official book. And will give you, I mean, just as much content as mm-hmm. anything that Wizards of the Coast puts out for sure. Absolutely. Oh, it looks so great. It looks so freaking it's cool. Beautiful. It is, yeah, it is absolutely beautiful. 
So yeah, check it out. Again, links to both of those in the show notes. Yep. And with that being said, let's jump back to the show, get into the got, history of Char. Got some history. And figure out if Char is the original emo. Is she the original emo? Find out. Next. <laughs> After this commercial break. Welcome back. We promised you, we promised you two things. We promised you the history of Char. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we promised you, I would make a decision on if Char was the original emo. The official ruling. The official D&D Lorecast ruling will mm-hmm, come at the end mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm, but before mm-hmm. that, let's, let's dive into let's the history. Into, let's talk about, let's do a history lesson. It's a history check. Yes. What if roll, they, oh, roll, me, myths. roll me a D20. Oh, gosh. Okay, hold on. Let me find one. Let me find one. Like I, That just means let me choose one. I have like 50. Okay, well, I hope I do better than that. My modifiers better be great. It was an eight. Well, you are a lore mistress, so I you am. get a plus I get 10. A bonus. Yeah, that's right. I With advantage, all that. Um, all of it. So we're going to start with one of the oldest myths of creation of the world and the heavens. When Lord El created the universe and its crystal sphere, there was nothing, truly nothing except primordial essence, just pure, raw essence. It was described as timeless nothingness and chaos. Uh, The crystal sphere was filled with nothing save for dim, misty shadows, nothing truly light, and nothing truly dark, for the two had not yet been set apart. The only thing here that moved among those shadows was the uh, Shadavari, the 13 lords of shadow whose origins are unknown. In time, the goddesses came into being. Shar and Saloon, identical twins but polar opposites. Shar with her dark eyes and raven hair, and Saloon with her silver hair. A perfect balance, the dark and the light. Both are everything that the other is not. They're so, and they were, they were so very close in the very beginning. Um, They saw themselves as one being, complementing one another so perfectly that they brought calm to that chaos. They were later some names they were later called were the sisters who once were one and the two-faced goddess. Together, they created Eber and Toril, along with several other worlds. They also created life on these worlds, and in the process of doing so, they created the goddess Shantae. Um, they worked together with her to create more life. The universe was illuminated by Saloon's radiant face and then darkened by the embrace of Shar. The goddesses were united on all decisions until Shantae asked for warmth and asked for fire to nurture life on the worlds that formed Shantae's limbs and body. Saloon and Shar were divided on whether to allow more life on the worlds or not. Thus, I'm guessing Saloon was down for the. She was, yeah. She's she's totally down for more and Mm, not so much Char. 
Not so much. This uh, was the, the beginning. The really quick the the little the little meters definitely leaning more toward emo. It's it's your emo meter. The emo meter. Emometer. The, the emometer. emometer. <laughs> the emometer. <laughs> That's how emo something is. The emometer. Oh man, <laughs> that's got to be a shirt or at least a sticker. I, at least a sticker. Yes. <laughs> so that was the beginning of the battle of this war between darkness and light. Um, these battles between them, these little fights and disagreements created is where other deities were created. The original deities of death, of magic, of disease, war, murder, and some of the others were created during these battles. So during these fights, this disagreement about whether or not they should help to create more light... Saloon, seizing an advantage, reaches out into the plane of fire, um, reaching outside of, you know, where she's at through time, space, etc., pulls forth from the inferno a fragment of the ever-living flame and used it to light the sun in order to give warmth to the goddess Shantae. Enraged, Shar renewed her attack against her sister, violently assaulting the already injured saloon. She began to blot out all light and all warmth within the universe. This weakened saloon very, very greatly. So we're starting to see a little bit of the problem here. She just had a disagreement and has temper tantrums. And yeah, just, I mean, like, like, I think we should do this. Like, I'm going to take that as a personal assault. <laughs> And oh, so I you're will, attacking me personally and you react want to fight. Accordingly. <laughs> I literally just said I don't really care what we want what we have for dinner. I I just I wasn't trying to argue with oh, so you're attacking me. My right. choices aren't good enough. I see. That kind of an attitude. Very much so. So in order to protect the life that they had created together, Saloon tore out a piece of herself, a part of her of her divine essence. She cast it at her sister, even though doing so nearly killed her. Um, this essence tore through Char, bonding with part of Char's essence, and it pulled it loose. This combination of magical energies, um, they came together and created the goddess of magic, Mistral, which is the first, one of the first ideations of the goddess of magic. And though she was composed of both light and dark, she sided with Saloon in favor of, you know, continuing the world they had created. Mistral balanced them out and helped to mediate a truce between the two. So it's over, right? You, no. Uh, hmm. No. <laughs> no. It's not true. Um, Shar was hurled into the darkness in this truce that she had loved. This darkness she was so obsessed with, she gets to be there for centuries and centuries. While Eber, Torel, and the other worlds are allowed to bathe in warmth and light. So there's a little excerpt from the ballad by Vecine, the Lark. Um, in the twilight of battle, one sister falters, but Saloon hurls magic and desperate power. From two sisters, one child, the balance alters. Mistral's aid to Saloon ends Shar's dark hour. So a little like it's like the imagined dragons of their time. They are. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. So many emo pools. So many. Um, 
this this battle between the two of them had left Saloon very severely wounded. Um, this caused her powers to wax and wane throughout the ages, which she is the goddess of the moon. So now she is also gaining strength, growing and weakening over time, the same way that the moon does. Gaining strength from some alliances, she had also able to gain more strength throughout time with some alliances with some other gods and goddesses. Shar, however, was not weakened by this battle. She only continued to grow stronger, aided by the Shadavari and consumed with loneliness and bitterness in the darkness that she had longed for. She vowed revenge. So she hid there, bitter, dark, seething, calculating, waiting mm. for the perfect the, moment to the strike. The thermometer is going nuts right now. She's just going to wait. It's not a phase. Okay. <laughs> it would, um, they would be at war forever. Like this is just always. She swore that it would continue until the end of time. Life flourished under the watchful eye of Shantae, despite these occasional struggles. Although at one point, they did temporarily set their, you know, set their differences aside. But again, not a lasting thing. So since vowing revenge on her sister, um, she's been up to a couple few things, like just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. During the time of Troubles, um, also known as the God's War. The Year of Shadows, 1358 DR, the gods were forced to walk among and live among the mortals as mortal avatars. Right. The avatar... We, we have an episode, or Tom and Stuart covered that for the D&D lore cast perfect. way I believe, back I thought when. so. Yeah. Right. So during this time period, this is the time frame I'm talking about for, you know, reference. The avatar of Shar came to Waterdeep in the guise of her sister Saloon. One evening, Shar called Saloon's faithful to her. The following night, she descended from the sky and appeared before the believers on the steps of the House of the Moon, which is the temple dedicated to her. She told them that she was her twin sister. She promised them her protection and her grace and told them that they should proclaim her to truly be Saloon, which priests and common folk were like, Hell yeah, you are. Of course you're Saloon. (laughs) Sure. So they did so, and word spread. When the true avatar of Saloon, whose name was Luna, appeared uh, with the fighter um, Vajra Valmayar, Shar denied them. She said, no, they are liars. These are non-believers. She raised a mob against Vajra and... While con- while Luna was confronting the mistress of the night, um, Shar called her called Luna deluded and used the sink spell to trap her. Attempt to trap her, see failed. Luna escaped and flew. She attempted prismatic spray against her twin, but failed this also. Seizing this moment, Shar used the wand of the four moons to knock Luna out. Now, this is an item that had been given to her by the temple priests when she was proclaimed to be the goddess Saloon. It's just that easy. Just show up, say you're a god, and get all sorts of, you know, fun prizes. Get all kinds of fun prizes to try to kill your sister with. You know, it's whatever. (laughs) Your Your twin sister. Your twin sister, yeah. The guards took the true avatar of Saloon prisoner, took Luna prisoner. And Shar proclaimed that, you know, as she's being taken away, she tells her, I'm going to drive you to madness first, then I'll kill you. 
So posing as Saloon, Shar took her place as the mistress of the temple, even as far as residing in the high priestess's own quarters. And Luna, whose true identity was unknown to the followers in the temple where she's being held as a special guest, <laughs> is pronounced prisoner. For 12 in, in, days. In some dialects, yes. In it some can, dialects. In, can... in common, I think it's called prisoner. Yeah, in common, uh, the word prisoner is also interchangeable in context. Right, with guest. We're so busy. <laughs> Men in tights reference. So sorry. So Shar has Saloon completely under her control. She's managed to break her spirit and brainwash her into being a faithful servant of the god saloon so oh. she's convinced her twin sister the goddess saloon mm-hmm. that she is actually a worshiper of saloon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yes that's, so that's some next level stuff right there yeah you worship yourself but you're not you you're someone else like i'm you i'm you and you worship me yes exactly so she um trains, I mean, changes her into this faithful servant the amometer is definitely now like not going off as much. It's just spinning because the thing in it broke and it's well, doing. No, because that's actually pretty metal. That's like metal that's AF. Metal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not say that there aren't some emo metal folks out there. I'm there just, are. there's a crossover event and there's it a, could be her. There's a definite like Venn diagram and that, <laughs> that the center is pretty sizable. It's a thick center. So she also declares her to be a member of the fanatic order of Salunites that are called Lunatics, which is also spelled Lunatics. Is it pronounced Lunatics? I don't know, but I assume like, you know, somebody's a fanatic, so it's a Lunatic. But it's the English language, so it's probably definitely Lunatics. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I mean, Luna ticks. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You you do love your puns. And I I, I will let you have this one. Thank you. I do love the number of plays on words that I've found in researching. It makes me so happy to find those little Easter eggs. I'm like, that is just, that's clever. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit later, at a little bit later time, after all this has occurred and, you know, Luna is a uh, brainwashed servant of her sister. Um, There's a party being held at Castle Waterdeep in honor of the Avatar of Saloon. So this is attended by Lord Pierre Guiron. Oh my gosh, this man's name. Pierre Guiron? Pierre Guiron? Something like that. There's a lot of I's and a lot of E's There's in There's a here. lot of vowels in that name. <laughs> he has so many vowels. They're like all um, clumped together, too. They are. It was like, but it's it's rhythmic, too. Um, Tertius Wands, Mert and Asper, Finn Estelmer, and Kiriani, whom is a friend of our friend Luna. Right. So Kiriani had come to investigate this supposed avatar of Saloon because, I mean, she would know. However, the celebration, this party, is crashed by a trio of the Dark Army of Night who, ironically enough, are a cult that is dedicated to Shar. 
It always ends up working out that way, huh? It, it is so beautiful. So she was not, yeah, she is not taken captive, though. Um, she freed herself using the bind spell to hold them and had these folks arrested by the city guard. <laughs> Which I just keep picturing Benny Hill music. <laughs> for yeah, this part. I can see that for sure. They bust in there to try to kidnap her in honor of their goddess, who they don't know is actually the person they're attempting to kidnap because they think that she's her sister. Yeah, that's that's like some threes company, like it is 80s some... sitcom type stuff right there. I was, yeah, I was picturing like the late 90s soap opera music yeah, where they do the sure. dramatic turn and hair flip thing. Right, right. Right. So after this, Shar is left visibly shaken, needs some time to calm herself down and just take a minute, collect herself. So she goes to the kitchen. Kiriani follows her there and confronts her declaring that she's going to reveal the truth to everyone and she's going to save luna char responds by attacking her with lightning bolt and magic missile and minute meteors because she's so even-tempered of course right i mean right well like we shan't forget jeff the, the yogurt jeff, eater the So Kiriani attempts to fight back using her ring of telekinesis. The Lord of Waterdeep, whose name I butchered, and I won't butcher again, <laughs> Lord P, shows back up, intervenes in this situation because he either heard it or saw it or, you know, there's a commotion. So he intervenes and Kiriani is taken away. She is arrested by the city guard, but is somehow able to escape, although... And while she might have failed in this initial attempted rescue of Luna slash Saloon, she was able to expose the reckless and wild temper of Shar, which is enough to start sowing doubt in the nobles, kind of putting a crack in that facade that she's built up there. One night, a few nights later, doesn't say exactly how many, um, Timothy Eisbright and Onyx the Invincible infiltrate this temple. These guys are also friends of Luna as she's been walking the earth as a mortal avatar. These are her these are her people. Her people show up. They infiltrate the temple and are eavesdropping on the liar Shar and Naniatha, who is one of the folks of the temple. Before being caught by the lunatics, they overhear this false avatar soothing the concerns of Naniatha. Like, yes, I am. I am truly your goddess. And these people are wrong. And, you know, all of those things to keep just to keep the farce going for a little bit. Um, but while they're being, you know, while they're being caught by the lunatics, they're rescued by Vajra and none other than the escaped Kiriani. Of course. Because that's how it goes. So while they, when this group of rescuers and friends locate Luna, they believe that she is Sh that she is Shar because she is fighting against them and behaving thusly. So when they unmask her, they're shocked to find the friend that they had been trying to rescue the entire time. Luna continues to fight back against them, though, as she doesn't see them as her companions, her friends, rescuers, right. etc. She's tackled by them, held in place, and they begin trying to convince her of the truth, kind of like, dude, you have to snap out of it. This is who you really are. You're, you're a goddess. She's pretending to be you. This is a problem. So while these heroes are trying to break through to Luna, 
uh, Naniatha begins to question Shar. Like, no, really, who are you? What the hell? Um, Shar gives up. This seems to be happening for some reason, and that might be because you're not who you say you are. Yeah, like, who are you actually? Shar, bored of this game, apparently, gives up rather easily. Yeah, you got me. I am Shar. That is truly Saloon, and I'm going to kill her. Hearing this, Naniatha um, shoves the goddess Shar from the balcony of the temple that they're both standing on, just shoves her over the edge. Like, no, this is, I'm not going to stand for this. However, she happens to go as well. Both of them are plummeting downward, only to be saved by Shar's feather fall spell. Mistress of Pain then turns on Naniatha and unleashes a swarm of meteors from above. These are crashing down on both of them. Nan manages to divert the spell, but they are both knocked unconscious during this. This tantrum and attack has given Luna and her rescuers time to flee. So they take off. They're trying to escape back to Luna's inn there. Armed with the Rod of Oblivion and her violent temper, Shar destroys this inn and ambushes the returning adventurers. She's hell-bent on revenge. Um, they had completely ruined her plans. And Luna... Again, on brand? On brand, right. She's pissed off because somebody ruined her plan. Luna, in her weakened state, falls. She's powerless against her twin. Kiriani steps in, pleading with Shar, begging her for mercy, begging her to leave Luna alone. This has the expected impact, like what you would expect on Shar. She definitely, Zero. she definitely, oh, she, so she didn't agree with them and, and, no. and do what they ask. Oh. No, she just kept at it. So. Not surprising. Not Shockingly surprising. Shockingly enough. She's, like I said, she's loyal to her brand. She is right. loyal to it. So Kiriani blasts her with a violent ice storm. Um, Shar deflects this. Kiriani's able to hold Shar off long enough for Timothy, Onyx, and Vajra to open the dimensional doorway to Luna's inner room. This is where Luna had stored her godly powers. So upon opening it, um, Saloon's full power is then released to Luna, and she's transformed into the true avatar of Saloon. Using her light, she defeats Shar by blasting her away and all of her darkness away in the Rod of Oblivion as well. And this is where she reminds her sister of their eternal battle. This was a neat quote, and I had to find the place for it to go. It's quoted from the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons DC comics. This is the battle you and I must fight forever. Shar, night devouring the light of the moon, the moon replenishing itself. This is our place in the balance of nature the fragile eternal balance lord Ao has charged us gods to uphold trying to remind her of her place within the society this gives eternal me, balance uh, let's say give me vibes of uh, what the joker told batman in the dark knight yes maybe that's why i was like yes because it's true i can't exist without you you can't exist without me we need each other for this right this eternal balance is restored by Luna's friends, and after Shar vanishes, Saloon returns to her avatar of Luna once more. So since then, that was, you know, after this time, in more recent, recent history, in the wake of the God's War, Shar is revitalized in ways she hasn't been before. 
she begins to actively subvert Luna and the new goddess of magic, Mistra. There were Mistra can't quit dying. I don't <laughs> know how else to say this, but it's happened a couple few times, at least twice before the spell plague that we know of. So Mistress comes into power. She actively tries to subvert her immediately. Eventually, Shar makes an ally of the god Bane, god of tyrannical oppression, hate, and terror, and then makes a patsy of Sirik, the god of trickery, lies, and strife, which is so beautifully ironic and awful. She tricks the god of trickery into murdering and causes him strife. I mean, that's so in, pretty awesome, it's, to be honest. It's, it's also on brand. So in 1374 DR, their followers make several attempts to seize mag- control of magic away from Mistra through various means. And basically, Shar spends her time plotting, scheming. Um, her attempts fail repeatedly, although she was able to manage to absorb most of the divinity from her son, Mask, which, of course, increased her power you know, mm-hmm. like it does. Right. 11 years after this, Sarek kills Mistra and Shar combines the negative energy plane with the plane of shadow and creates the shadow fell, which is where Shar, the God of thieves, great power of the gray waste, singer of eternal night has ruled over darkness ever since. So original emo. Oh, let's open up the envelope. And in the case of Char <laughs> as being the original emo, Char, you are the original emo. Definitely. Absolutely. 100% the original emo. At this point, emo. Saloon's like dancing and the audience is... I know. told you! <laughs> this is very this is very much like the Amori episode for sure. Uh, yeah, Char, uh, <laughs> while, while having hints of metal... Uh, Char is definitely very much emo. And then, like, uh, you know, and also, like, the physical depiction of Char doesn't help. Oh, either. yeah. You know, the pale skin, oh, the yeah. dark hair, all that. So it's it's so beautifully tropey in some ways. Right. Exactly. The good twin and the bad twin. But yeah, that's, that's I, I can't. That's why she pops up everywhere. I can't she was wait one of the what, first yeah. two. What <laughs> like, she, what's going to what's going to happen next with Shar? I don't know, but I bet Mister dies. She's probably her death is prob- of magic. probably has something to do with it for sure. Check, check. <laughs> Once again, there you have it. That's why she is in everything and everyone and everywhere because. That negativity, that hatred, that bitterness that lives in every single mortal. That's her. That's her realm. So that, there you have it. If you ever feel emo, it's because of Char. It's not, Char's fault. It is not Chris Caraba's fault. It is not Robert Smith's fault. It's Char's fault. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, thank you so much for... <laughs> Being a part of the D&D Lorecast again this week for yes. allowing us to be a part of your life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show mm-hmm. in, in every way that you do. Yes. We're so humbled that we um, that we have um, people that listen to our insane uh, D&D ramblings. 
thank you so much for letting me keep my barely contained rambling out here into the world like for being a part of that with me i appreciate it kept it locked down but this was leaps and bounds this might be my favorite thing that i have researched so far it is oh, extremely wow. fascinating and i just it's a lot but i don't know there's just, it, it seems like every every, every time every episode i, so I research i'm like okay this might be my favorite this might be my favorite <laughs> I mean, because War of the Lance was just so cool. Oh, it and, is so good. Like our spooky month was awesome. Oh, and I'm remembering true. uh Minsk uh, and Boo and how like much fun that yeah. was. Mm-hmm. You know, the episodes I did on Vecna were so much fun. It's true. So yeah, so there's I mean, so much. There's so know, but much. But this this is easily so this was one of my yeah. As far as the research end of this went, it was it was pretty great. <laughs> not gonna lie i learned a lot so there you have it thank you so much for joining us again thank you guys my name is sergio and i am mary fare thee well dear listener and until we meet again may all your 20s be natural thanks for listening to the dungeons and dragons Lorecast. if you've enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with a friend following us on twitter at dnd Lorecast or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.